High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. This weekend, I will be spending Shabbat with the Clap family in Messina, a small town in the far northeastern part of South Africa. I'll explain the reason for my journey next week. Yet, while hardly any Jews remain in the Limpopo province, this was not always the case. The flagship project of the South African Friends of Beta Butter at Fasot for many years has been to document the presence in these far-flung rural areas of South Africa. To tell me more about this fascinating project is the coordinator of South African Friends of Beta Fasot, Ilona Steinfeld. Ilona, welcome and thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Cherise. Thank you for <coughs> asking me to come and talk to you. And I see you have in your hands the book dealing with the Northern Transvaal yeah. as it was then known. The volume one book which deals with the Northern Transvaal was our first book that we published in 2002. includes the town of Messina and many other small places. It's one of 1,550 places where Jews have lived in South Africa that we have researched. I don't think people realize the enormity of our project, but we are delighted to tell you about it now. Um, Ilona, Messina, this was your first book, and specifically, how do you describe the geographical area for the first book? It was the Limpopo region. The Limpopo region. You know, we divided it into um, four regions, but it is the Limpopo area, northern Greater Escarpment, the northern part of the Low Felt, the northern High Felt, and the northern part of the Bush Felt. So it covers all the towns and villages and hamlets where Jews had settled. And you mentioned over 1,000 little dorpies that Jews well, have lived in. Uh, I'd say not just... There were towns and villages and hamlets and railway sidings that are included in our research. And in terms of numbers, where would you say the majority lived in in little area? Which area would... Our largest area thus far has been the the East Rand, where I actually went to tell David I had counted over 10,000 families, Jewish families in... Benoni, Germiston, Brackpan, Springs, Boxburg. Just that area, we have at least 10,000 recorded families. So including there. mine, Nigel. You forgot to say yes, Nigel. <laughs> and we've had a spiritual so example yeah. of the mm. enormity of our project and what we've uncovered. So in terms of Limpopo province, specifically that far up, I would imagine in a way that was the last area Um, Jews moved to just by proximity? Well, um, I think we've got them. The earliest settlers were there. Um, I think George Sachs was already recorded there in 1913, he and his wife, when their son was born. Messina was actually uh, only became a township in 1915 when the railway line reached there. So, yeah, it's one of our later towns. Um, but Jews went far north to settle and look for a place to make a living, to learn, to earn a living, to live with their families. Again, Messina, that area, it's a rich farming area, so obviously farmers, um, store owners, hotels. (laughs) Yes, no, there were a variety. There were always farmers, general dealers, 
and occasional doctors, people... Made a life. ...went to make a life in wherever they could. And um, what... Tell me, are you still researching new areas? Are you finding places that you didn't know Jews existed, or are you pretty much done? Well, we if we have... Um, every time we find a Jew in a new place, because you know, because we go through so many archival documents and so many old newspapers and news cuttings, we do occasionally add new places. And since I arrived, I think we've added about thirty or forty places to the original research list. Because I wasn't w- with the project when it started in 1995, and he joined the project in 2004. And even then we're finding, or people will write to us, oh, my family lived in a place we'd never heard of. And we, if it's defined as a town or a village or a hamlet or a railway siding, we will include it in our list. How many books are there in the series? So we have finished six volumes of Jewish Life in the South African Country Communities, and we're now on our final volume, which is volume seven, which is the what was the Western Transvaal in a part of the Northwest Province. Okay. We, it's including the town of, from Ferenichen, the sa- southern part of Gauteng, and then what's northwest from Clarksdorp, Krugersdorp, Rustenburg, Lichtenburg, and all... Mafeking, l- yeah, Mabatu, what you know, used to be Mabatu. All those places, Christiana, where Jews, which is, I think, on the border of the Free State, um, and Northern Cape and Transvaal, where Jews, as they entered Transvaal, they stopped at Christiana and moved forward into other areas. Is there a set pattern of kind of movement that we can trace? I think we can see that the Jews originally started in the Eastern Cape. Some arrived with the 1820 settlers, funnily enough. And they moved across from Grahamstown area to Cape Town and were formed part of the Tikvat Israel congregation in Cape Town. The very first Jewish congregation in South Africa was founded by Jews who were part of the 1820 settlers, wow. which was quite amazing if you think of it. And then from Cape Town they started gradually going Eastwards, northwards, like the four trekkers almost. <laughs> well, it does. I mean, we didn't have a trek of our own. No. It was just yeah, people just moving. People be- arrived. They started as smosa, as peddlers, as traders. A lot of them came as very young men, some with no money, just with their shirts on their backs, and started making a living wherever they could. Ilona, you write about these people and these places. Do you go and visit? Do you ever kind of go into the... I've been to some of the places. I remember taking my husband on a trek when we left Joburg and we were going to visit our daughter in Cape Town. I said, let's go the wrong, the long route via King Williamstown <laughs> and Grahamstown, you know, and Alexandria. All. So, yes, I've been to Frankfurt and seen, I think, the, the Shul fence. I'm sure it was in Frankfurt. They'd used petrified wood to mark the, f- the fencing around the shul. I thought it was quite amazing to see these things. And every now and then you pop into a museum in these little dorpies and their the chronicles, museums. not to mention cemeteries. Cemeteries, museums. 
Uh, Rabbi Zolbehaft is very busy with the cemeteries, making sure they're in good condition. So we often are in touch with him. If he's, you know, and he always contacts me with to request information about a family. Did they live there? Or did they die there? In fact, he visited me last week. He was in Brantford and found a tombstone in Hebrew. It was in memory. It was written the name of the woman or the young person who died, Simi Bat, you know, Shimi Bat Menachem. And he said, but what's her surname? And I said, well, let me see if I wrote about her when I did Brunford and under cemetery. And there I'd written that it was quite a tragedy. This woman died a week after she was married. Oh. And she died on the, I think it was 18th of October, 1918. I said, Rabbi, I'm sure it was the flu epidemic. Sure. So yesterday he arrived at my office. He'd been to Brunford and obviously had contacted the uh, cemetery managers. And the woman there made a photocopy. He said, you know, in Brantford there are about 15 unmarked graves, sure. and I want to find out who they belong to. And the, he brought me the list of all the people who were buried in Brantford, and including this woman who was, her father was Menachem Bloch, so we found his surname. Mm. And in the list, it, the re- cause of death was Spanish influenza. Mm. So it's the epidemic repeating itself 120 years, 100 years after sure, the sure. first time. It's quite amazing. Elona, what you're basically doing is putting together little puzzle pieces to get a feel of our country. Um, very quickly, are you looking for more researchers? Um, if there are researchers <laughs> who would like volunteers, we would happy to, to interview them to see if they are, are suitable or suited to the type of intense work that we're doing because at the moment since COVID I held the fort in the office since June 2020 I was the only one around and even now I'm the only full-time researcher and rely on volunteer researchers to assist me. So you're always looking so for that extra help. task. Indeed and you must be so incredibly not well you are so incredibly knowledgeable about our country and our history. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me.